one. And we're up. Hey, hey, people. Uh, <laughs> Iggy here. Uh, this is, uh, well, this is welcome back to Tangredome. And uh, this is going to be uh, a very, like, kind of like rambly sort of like very buzzy kind of uh, type, type of deal where we gush about it was six performance immediately, like, not well, basically a day after the fight. And uh, for that purpose, I am joined by the Fireside founder and boxing historian Carl McLaughlin, also known as Flea Boxing and uh, Combat Chronicles. And previously, what was uh, uh, what was your previous handle? Polgas Boxer. I completely forgot about that. It's been like yeah, since I used that. Uh, that one's gone. <laughs> yeah. Combat Chronicles now, yeah. Combat CHR on Twitter. Follow me. No one, no one does anymore. So yeah, and a very special, very special guest appearance by Lukas Fenrich, a Polsky genius and uh, crafty boxing on Cra- Twitter. Crafty boxing, boxing and Polish genius for people who follow me on you know other boxing sites and stuff. So whatever. Thanks for the man. Uh, anyway, so let just not to faff about. For too long. What's what are your impressions, fellas? How are we feeling about that victory by Alexander Usik? What do you think about the performance? Very quickly, off the cuff. Not bad at all. Pretty Not good. bad. Pretty good. What one might say that Alexander Usik understands this boxing thing, you know. He's pretty decent yeah. at it. He's quite good, yeah. I think I think he understands. Yeah, he's he's as he said after the fight, we've not. I'm sure we've not seen the best of him, but uh, I failed to see how much better he can get. Well, uh, he, yeah. To be to be completely honest, I was kind of like uh, let down uh, a bit by that uh, performance against Chisora, but then again, Chisora is a fridge and a very different matchup in retrospect. So this uh, performance definitely uh, solidified my uh, my how I feel about Usyk at heavyweight and uh, certainly uh, alleviated a lot of my concerns about uh, him not being able to handle, you know, huge guys. <clears throat> but yeah. either way, uh, we've uh, had a ton of predictions going out prior to the fight. Uh, the Kyle actually chimed in on this special occasion to to, to offer his own prediction. And uh, what, what did you say in the article? How did it but- go? First of all, well, did it go yeah. according to uh, how you, according to how so you described it? We say this all the time. This is something which you and I talk about quite a lot, Tumen. But um, pred- analysis is not about getting the prediction right. It's mm. about getting the ebb and flow right. About getting the narrative, of the fight right. About getting the nuts and bolts of, of the styles clash right. And in that respect, I think if people look at my prediction, I was pretty much correct. I was incorrect on how I felt the decision would go. I was well, incorrect in the sense. Well, yeah, I mean, I thought not not, not even the wrong. British judges could fuck this one up. <laughs> of course, I was slightly <laughs> incorrect in the sense that I felt that Usyk would have to wait a little bit longer before pressuring. Um, but he did take the front foot early, so I was I was wrong in that regard. But I believe I believe the way I put it was um, that the hand traps, feints, and and foot speed would cause Joshua to basically unravel as the fight progressed, and uh, he would just have enough breathing room. To, to end the fight on his feet and that's basically exactly what happened um the hand traps are actually really important obviously the the, the, the gif or the gif if you're that way inclined that is doing the rounds on twitter the most is uh Usyk lose, using his uh, his lead hand to bat down 
uh, Joshua's uh, right hand and then launching the left over the top. And that's the kind of thing I envisioned happening. Um, and yeah, essentially, Usyk did exactly what I thought he was going to do. And as we alluded to, he's, he's quite good at this boxing thing. So he actually exceeded my expectations. And uh, yeah, they couldn't rob him. Not even, not even the English could rob him. And we are probably the worst, as anyone who watched the rest of the card, in the world for bad decisions. So it's kind of testament to how good Usyk is. Yeah, before we get into this whole uh, British judging and British boxing boxing sort of talk, uh, Lukas, uh, what was your prediction and uh, did the fight go according to your prediction? And what what did what uh, did you get right and what perhaps uh, uh, in what way you were wrong in retrospect? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was my prediction was quite narrowly focused. I talked about uh, two things specifically that I thought Joshua was going to start to struggle with. I predicted that. Uh, Usyk KO, but um, the two things I predicted Joshua would struggle with was uh, I, th- um, I thought he'd have a problem with Usyk turning and level changing at the same time. I don't, I didn't think Joshua would be good at uh, doing. He can do one that one thing or the other. I don't think he'd be able to do both, and I thought that would be a problem. And uh, when I was watching some of his Joshua's fights back, um, you know, leading up to my prediction, I noticed he's. I thought he was really bad at defending shots coming from a low down that come over his jab or around his jab. And uh, I think 10 seconds in, it was about 10 seconds in, Usyk uh, came in behind Joshua's jab, ducked to the right and hit him on the left, coming up underneath it. And I was just like, okay, that's, I, I think I've done okay there. Um, the thing I didn't predict, I didn't talk about body work. So, you know, that was a bit, bit, a bit of a miss. But um, oh. that, that went both ways because Joshua... Uh, also worked Usyk's body quite well, and Usyk had to react to that, and uh, that didn't come up in my prediction at all. If so. I may, actually, um, one thing I noted in my prediction was that Joshua was not much of an adjuster, and whilst I would still agree with that generally in terms of he didn't, he, he wasn't able to come up with uh, alternate uh, strategy throughout the fight to combat what Usyk was doing. There were little things he did that I didn't give him credit for. Um, for example, he. he he couldn't establish his jab, which I said in my piece as well, that Usyk would take that away. So his usual arsenal wasn't really available to him because Joshua builds a lot of things off finding range with the jab, sort of mid-range power boxing style. But what he did was quite clever, quite cleverly, he adjusted to throwing a sort of right uppercut to the body. Um, Usyk took that away in the end by basically negating that by pivoting out to his, his right. Um, but Joshua used that quite effectively for a couple of rounds and, one thing I'd love to do, obviously, started out as a Usyk loving, which I'm sure people are tired of on Twitter, but it's great fun. But um, I really would like to sort of, I'm sure we'll get to it, but give Joshua some credit as well, because although oh, he, yeah. is, he is he is uh, big and stiff, as we all uh, assumed him to be, he's not quite the big stiff idiot that Tyson Fury once proclaimed David Price to be. He's just not quite genius level intellect in the ring. So people assume now that, you know, oh, well, Usyk's better than him, so Joshua's shit. And that's not really the case. Joshua probably showed more for me in that loss than he did in his win over Andy Ruiz, where he was seen as some, touted as some great adjuster for, for just being rather negative. Is, is that what around. happened? Is that what happened? Did people really say that? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, people did say it. I mean, obviously what? myself and Lukas shouldn't what have said fuck? that. But yeah, it was very, Joshua's <laughs> proven himself that he can, you know, and basically oh, just... 
yeah, grabbed the, and ran for 12 oh, rounds. The uh, the the uh, matchroom followers in the UK, you're clearly not hooked into the UK boxing Twitter because it's... Oh, uh, thankfully, it's, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I avoid that. I avoid that you're side of out. Twitter and you're social media as a plague because I actually saw what Kyle, like used to do in his spare time he would just sit there for hours and end responding to absolute idiots on twitter i mean he's and been there doing was that no this end to them I'll yeah. Do just, board, yeah. just hundreds of them i'm back usik's got me back i said actually after today like we've had a victory parade from saturday night to monday it's like you know you win the super bowl and you go out on the bus and you go around town and you wave at all the fans and that's basically what myself and uh also, fight site uh, alumni uh, Ollie has uh, have been doing, um, but today, yeah, we're recording this on Monday, so just just a day or so after the fight, and um, after today, I'm done with it. But yeah, I have been enjoying. I'll be honest, with you, I think people think that um, I choose sort of dunking on idiots just for the fun of it, but it's not. It's a case of um, it's really. I think it's quite an interesting sort of experiment to to, and I'm sure we're going to get into this in the second half of our discussion um, to sort of illuminate how little people actually understand what they're watching. Um, in in particular, we've seen it come out with, in regard to Joshua's tactics or alleged lack, lack, can't speak, lack thereof, um, which I totally disagree with. So I'm sure we'll get into that in time. But um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my main gripe. Not so much no one giving Usyk a chance or people saying that, you know, he wasn't very good because that's not really the case. It's more a case of those now trying to, rewrite the narrative as to why he won that fight yeah it's kind of like oh he lost that means he's shit or he must have been off during the night of that fight he wasn't himself that kind of stuff it's like you don't really have to shit on one fighter to explain why the other fighter won <laughs> the other fighter may have just been better just flat the out worst better. One is, literally if, it. if he'd done this if he'd done this he'd win easy not <laughs> understanding why you can't just do this it's kind of like there's a guy on tiktok who does fighter impressions and he most commonly he does impressions of conor mcgregor and like for the last several fights in a row he's been posting the same video of him mimicking the aldo ko and going if conor mcgregor has just done this he'd have won his last several fights and that's not how it works that's essentially what you're doing you're essentially just (laughs) <laughs> pretending that somehow a fighter would is going to magic out a win uh, like yeah. out of nowhere despite never sh- showcasing that's the uh quite the adjustments needed for that particular fight or yeah. preparing uh, in, in that specific way because yeah. preparation is key here and that's yeah, the reason why i was it won but there's an awful lot of uh, there's an awful lot of people going basically oh <laughs> joshua should have fought like chisora joshua should have used his size and his strength and brought forward and it's just that's just not it's never even when he was aggressive against klitschko or, and the like that's just not who joshua ever was he's never used his frame he's never been a sort of a physical bully he just can't it's, he was never going to do that like yeah, chisora's main thing is he doesn't give a fuck there's one thing fuck. there's one thing to point out a possible route to victory and say Perhaps if he, if the fighter were to adjust in this particular way in camp several months ahead of the fight and perhaps come up with a certain style adjustment that would allow him to win the fight. But it's not going to happen mid-fight unless that fighter is literally one of the greatest fighters ever. That's what, the, one of, what, that's what all-time greats do sometimes. They, yeah, it happens. Sometimes they magic out a, a, a win out their ass in the middle of the fight but uh, i mean that's that's a tall task for for anyone uh, 
and uh, it proved to be much too tall a task for Joshua in this case. And it's not. I think the issue is perception as well, um, Iggy. I think people have this perception, especially in England, where Joshua was brought up as this, um, as built up, sorry, to be this kind of destroyer of all men. You know, he's just going to come in there and destroy everyone. You know, he's like a six foot seven Mike Tyson. <laughs> and inherently, he's not. He's a self conscious, uh, mid range power boxer who needs timing, needs his space, needs to build a rhythm. Um, and reacts right. terribly. Right. Uh, let's just you know. Back. Let's just uh, sort of zoom out a little and settle yeah, down sure. and, uh, and try to explain what what we're trying to just uh, convey here. Let's just zoom out and evaluate Anthony Joshua as a fighter. To before we get into the actual into discussing the actual fight itself. Um, I interrupted you there. You started uh, actually <laughs> explaining what Joshua does. So please go back to that. <laughs> Uh, what is your evaluation touch, of Joshua as a Yeah, fighter? my evaluation on Joshua is basically that, that he is a confidence fighter. Um, he is um, somewhat of a bully, but not in the sense that people want him to be. I think people want, like Lukash was saying, they want him to sort of put use his frame to dig in and, and, and bully guys and get them out of there. I mean, Joshua is a bully in the sense um, that he doesn't like it when he doesn't have everything his own way and he, and he folds. And inherently, the issue of everyone wanting this tactical shift, uh, this strategic shift, is that he doesn't have the inherent character to pull off that sort of game plan. Um, for any fight site listeners that are MMA fans, if you consider Brock Lesnar, you know, he was an absolute monster until he realized that people would hit him back and then he didn't like it anymore. And since the Vladimir Klitschko fight, we've seen, we saw a different Joshua where he became a bit more cerebral uh, and a bit more thoughtful. And subsequent to the Ruiz fight, we saw a guy that not just became more thoughtful and, and cerebral, but I would say more timid. Um, Lukash, I don't know if you know, if you agree with all of that or if you've got any yeah. of your own opinions on him. I mean, my uh, rather cheap way of framing it is that uh, Joshua was a lot more like Callum Smith than his fans want him to be. He's a uh, yeah. He's 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 got his skills and he's got his talents and he's got his gifts, but he's he really he needs to set he needs to have the tempo the way he wants it, and he's not that good. He's okay. He's you know he's he's, he's still a world level fighter, but he's not that good at setting the tempo the way he needs it. He needs his opponents to be afraid of him or at least wary of him, and if they uh, if they don't, then he starts having problems. And yeah, that's pretty much goes with what you're saying about how he doesn't have. He doesn't seem to have the confidence in himself to really just go, okay, I'm breaking it now. Yeah. I'm breaking it now. What do we mean by that? If you go back and watch the earlier fights in Anthony Joshua's career, people talk about how he was a finisher, how he was more aggressive, how he was more sure of himself. But one crucial moment here, it was against a different level of opposition, first of all. So that level of opposition allows him to showcase different facets of himself in a more... Well, basically, without any, without much issue. That's that. If you, uh, once again, for the uh, MMA viewers, if you look at someone like, for example, I don't know, uh, Calvin Cater, who spent much of his career in uh, on the regional scene, just murking. Well, but well, that's that's actually kind of a bad example because Calvin Cater was a decision machine <laughs> on the regional yeah, scene. True, true, yeah. which is weird. <laughs> yeah, but then when he, when he got into the UFC, he started finishing dudes, but. Uh, the 
basically what the concept I'm trying to convey here. If you look at certain fighters who have a lot of success on the regional scene and then get into the UFC, suddenly their style changes, perhaps. Suddenly they have to be more conservative. Suddenly they have to be more wary of the other persons, of the of their opponent's uh, skill set. And that's basically well, the... they drown. <laughs> yes. And th- that's essentially the case here. And not only that, but uh, also there was this mid-career adjustment post that uh, Klitschko fight where Joshua got dropped hard multiple times in that fight. And certainly you could see him realizing that, oh, oh, uh, if I take a shot like that, I go out, I may go out, I'm, I fall down, I fall on my, flat on my ass. It's, it's unpleasant, it hurts. And uh, he was certainly a testament to his character that he was able to get up still, but it took a lot of mental power out from him. And uh, comfort is incredibly important in fights. And comfort with getting hit, uh, comfort with realizing that perhaps if I do things, if I do everything correctly, I still may get dropped. That's one of the most important attributes to have at the elite level. And that's where Joshua competes now at the elite level. And it's not like, yeah, people talk about how he's not all that right now, uh, he, that he's a fraud, that he's all, all sorts of very nasty shit, but he was still able to get to the elite level. He competed with elite opposition. He was able to beat some of them, and Usyk just proved a bit too much. That's that's all there is to it. You you don't have to look into it. It's not, it's not every fight has this sort of like behind-the-scenes kind of thing going on. Everyone wants champions to have the same uh, the same drama in their lives that uh, Mike Tyson did perhaps I, I find that with modern boxer modern boxing fans especially like they always talk about how oh perhaps the, he wasn't motivated perhaps there's some kind of like uh, personal issues going on behind the scenes there's some fuckery going on behind the scenes and uh, that's, that's that's not always it uh, more often than not it's just uh, a question of uh, skill sets versus skill sets. Yeah. You get the same. You know, like Joshua himself was sort of the beneficiary of this, uh, of that sort of fan thinking, like Carl knows what I'm talking about with uh, Vladimir Klitschko and the relative performance versus Tyson Fury. And you, even now, you still get, uh, you know, people telling you that uh, the, the the Vladimir Klitschko who fought Anthony Joshua was a better fighter than the one who fought Tyson Fury. And it's like, he, no, he just fought a better opponent that was harder stylistically for him. And like- Joshua, you know. Even if you're iffy about grading fighters on a, like a linear scale of skill versus skill, matchups still matter. Skill sets still matter. The interplay between skill sets still matters. And it's kind of like it's 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 kind of aggravating how we have to explain this over and over again from title fight to title fight to title fight. So I guess I understand why Carl spent so much time dunking on idiots on social media now <laughs> because it's actually wow. it actually is very aggravating. Um, if I could use an analogy just to sort of break it down further or just in a pithy way for those that are maybe not quite getting what we're saying. I say if you open Joshua's toolbox, it's a lovely big red toolbox, multiple layers in the top. He's got a lump hammer. He's got a hatchet. Lovely. That's the big tools. You take the top layer out. There's no chisel. There's no spat. There's no spanner. There's nothing there to, to, to break the stuff down. He's got the brute force stuff. But he hasn't got all the stuff that, can tie it all together if, if shit goes wrong with what he's working on. If you look at Usyk's, everything's in there. He's got everything you could possibly need, and therefore he can approach a task 
in many different ways. All Joshua can really do is, is, is smash something up. And in, if the task requires a more delicate touch, uh, he's not the man for the job. And it's it's a very interesting analogy because that would uh, some people would think that, oh, you mean that Joshua is a brawler, but he's not. He's not a brawler. No. It's just no. that he's... You need the chisel. You need the chisel. Sometimes you need to wear it down first. Yeah. And uh, you know. the thing is, like Joshua always liked to this, this these mid-range engagements and working behind his jab. And so far, it kind of served him well, except against Ruiz. But uh, that, that one was also a very, like, very aggravating one with regards to fan reaction, because everyone talked about how oh, he's not himself and that kind of stuff. But I mean, Joshua, it's just, it, it's very easy. A small, compact guy with fast hands, a fat guy with fast hands who yeah. is very potent in the pocket, got inside range of Joshua's long arms and bang him out. That's literally it. That's all there is to it. it you do, it's not that deep. Much like Joshua's toolkit. Yeah. Nice. Even even Povetkin, you know, he beat Povetkin yeah. convincingly in the end, but there were times when Povetkin was coming in under, underneath that jab and giving him, clipping him, giving him trouble. It's you know, it's just a weakness of his, which I think me and Kyle both sort of got into in our predictions for Usyk because we should talk about Usyk a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Now the hero of the occasion, the hero of the day, Alexander Usyk. Uh, perhaps, uh, well, definitely the greatest cruiserweight, cruiserweight in boxing history, I would say. I would you so, agree yes. with that guy? David Hay. Yeah, yeah. David Hay. Just shut up. Oh, for it's fuck's sake. It's, it, it's between, <laughs> uh, just, just a quick aside, it's between Holyfield and Usyk, but if anyone says that, they're technically two different divisions because Holyfield was the 190-pound great and then Cruiserweight moved up to 200 pounds. So essentially, they're the greatest. Of, 10 pounds is a significant amount of weight. I would say they're basically the greatest of two different divisions that share the same name. Yeah. And now, well on his way to cement his, uh, himself as one of the great heavyweights, not the greatest, but one of the... Well, he's up there, certainly. And, uh, like, yeah, uh, it, it was a... It's a very interesting style on that because we talked about how Joshua struggles against guys who are very potent in the pocket, who have big power and are smaller than him and shorter than him, or at least able to navigate that uh, that exchange of uh, ranges. Uh, but Usyk is, first of all, he's shorter, he's more nimble, and his style isn't the, the type of style where he kind of like weaves under the punches and comes up with hooks. It, it's he doesn't do that. He's uh, one of the purest boxers in boxing. Essentially, that's the, that's what he is. He's, uh, he follows that very Soviet mold of uh, very of an outfighter that is very potent on the back foot, but is also very potent in most ranges. And he uses straight punches uh, to get in close and get in range, and uh, uses straight punches even well within range where you would think that hooks would be. Uh, the the tail would uh, dictate the exchange, but he doesn't do that. He uses one twos. He uses a constant in and out movement. He works on the outside, works off the back foot, work, works wonderfully off the back foot, and uh, he was able to utilize that style against a rangier guy who is taller than him and uh, ostensibly carries more power. And uh, well, he basically dominated him at every range using that style and you would most people would think that oh if joshua were to press the issue and uh, come back to his former banger self he would win but that's not what happened 
And even if he did, I, w- I don't believe he would have had much success either. But yeah, uh, please recap uh, the fight as you saw it. Who would be who would like to be the first? I had it to you, Lucas. You can go first. Oh, okay, on, on the spot. Uh, well, uh, I think it's fair to say Usyk started faster than probably most of us were anticipating because it's like you know one thing we always say is Usyk starts slowly and builds up and builds up. And I think even one of the things that Joshua was surprised by was that uh, straight away Usyk was taking so much initiative. Um, even when he wasn't throwing punches, he you know that's Usyk's thing: his feints, the hand traps, the you know everything he can do to to take his opponent's reads away. He was doing that at full volume straight away. I think he even said post-fight that uh, from the off, he was trying to knock Joshua out. And then his, his coach had said, no, remind it back a bit. And we saw, you know, him coming back to the little, the, the boxing and the finding the little angles. Um, then the middle of the fight was, uh, that was when Joshua got his, that was when Joshua showed his best side. When uh, Usyk, he actually made, this is this is where Joshua needs to get his credit because he made Usyk work. For his work, for his work, for his lunch, work to find his angles, which I think both of us said we weren't expecting that to happen. So like, uh, we thought if, if Usyk was going to have trouble, it was going to have it was going to be navigating the range and uh, Joshua's timing. And it turned out he didn't, in the end, have trouble coming around, coming inside, and coming around for a while. And then Joshua got tired. And even since, even since he learned about it in the Klitschko fight, Joshua doesn't tire well. So. Once that happened, it was over. Like he, he's not a good. He's not a good. He's uh, not. He's not a good twelve round fighter. He's not very adept at fighting tired. He, no. he doesn't feel comfortable fighting yeah. tired. It doesn't look like someone who drills fighting, yeah. fighting with fatigue. And yeah, once that happened, it was over. Really. It was yeah, over. and Usyk is one of the most like supremely well conditioned fighters out there. His conditioning is insane. His stamina is insane, and uh, his ability to maintain that composure and discipline when well into the later rounds of the fight is uh, second to none. But yeah, Kyle, uh, how did you see yeah. the fight? Yeah, so um, I thought it was going to have a heart attack for much of it because even as an analyst, you guys will know that there's only a couple of fighters I actually feel emotionally invested in and Usyk's one of them. But more than that, it's almost like an arrogance thing where for years I've been telling people that Usyk's going to batter Joshua. If he loses, I basically look like a fucking idiot after years. So there's a lot of riding on this kind of fight. I didn't think I was going to watch it. I was having heart palpitations. I was sweating, um, much to the chagrin of the people I sat with, um, bless them for putting up with me. But um, yeah, Usyk took the initiative early, like Lucas said, took centre ring. And I'm assuming the game plan was to basically just keep moving Joshua back because unless Joshua's stepping into his jab and getting his power punches off. He hasn't really got much. So kept forcing him back. Just little touches here and there. Got his attention early with the left straight that you spoke about earlier, Iggy. With the left straight that made Joshua go, right, okay, this isn't going to be a walkover. Now, as soon as Joshua knew it wasn't going to be a walkover, he plummeted in terms of his confidence, in terms of his output, in terms of his his energy, everything about him just changed. Um, like you say about the mid-rounds, sort of six, seven, uh, or five and six, like like uh, Joshua, he was unable to build on it much because, as I said earlier, he kind of he relies on the jab to find his timing and range. But he was able to start timing with some nice right straight counter punches and some single right leads, um, just, just firing them off with, with, with no tail. Really nice. 
Um, then Usyk took that away, and then Joshua came up with the body shots. Like you guys said about not fighting tired, there was a point where Joshua went to throw another one of them big right body shots, and he was so tired. It was like it was like holding the R2 button in fight night when you've got no stamina, just throwing a haymaker. Usyk stepped back, and he looked like carnival boxer, and I thought, Usyk's pissed this. Like the, the, the rounds where Joshua really could have done something, Usyk just circumnavigated him. What was really interesting was as, as uh, Joshua's left eye sort of closing, Usyk would offer him a jab, pivot to the outside angle and then turn it into like a hook and just, just peppering him, just touching him. And Joshua didn't react well. And then in the 12th round, well, my cousin and I were just saying, please stay away. You've won this fight. Usyk just manned him and just, just didn't seem concerned. Um, there was a point where I think it was in the 12th round where they clinched up. And this is one of the things I'm sure we'll get to, you know, the whole, the narrative that people are trying to profess online, but Joshua clinched up and Usyk literally didn't wait for the referee to separate them. He, he untied himself and pushed Joshua halfway across the ring just so he could keep battering him. And that's why I just don't really get the whole, you know, Joshua could have yeah. done this. He could have done that. He was, Usyk was the far better man, yeah. as you guys said, at every single range. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of like, uh, basically Usyk both, uh, first of all, he had out positioned Joshua soundly for the entirety of the fight, he constantly maintained dominant positions, both uh, the outside angle with the lead foot planted outside for the first several rounds, and then with the inside angle, where he would sort of angle inside and pepper off hooks and uh, throw the uh, very interesting rear left hook from uh, from southpaw stance. Well, he fought southpaw throughout the fight, but just uh, to give, uh, uh, just to explain what he did. And... Uh, What's interest? What's uh, very? What's especially impressed him is that he also chinned Joshua. <laughs> the man, the man has got a beard on him. Some of those right straights would have knocked lesser fighters dead. They have, and they have. Like, yeah. if you go yeah. back and watch that fight, some of those you talked about how uh, Joshua would adjust and start firing off these very quick. Uh, lead rights off the right off the bat with no setup, and some of them connected, and some of them connected very well, right on the point of the chin. And Dusik just tanked them. He would just sort of like tank one, take a moment, like ah, all right, back to business as usual with no issue. He wasn't wobbled. Yeah. He wasn't uh, wasn't concerned about uh, about them. Yeah. He just sort of like put them in the back of his head. Oh, I have to be sort of like mindful of them, and that's it. Uh, yeah. And that sort of composure and durability is just at this yeah. level at heavyweight. I mean, we all knew that Osik is a very durable fighter when we saw him tank some of Gassiev's power power shots. But uh, but then you put forty pounds on top of that, and you think, mm-hmm. is it going to be the same? I just want to ask you so quickly, Lukash. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. A lot of people, and you might have noticed this online yourself, Iggy. People saying, "Oh, well, Usyk was purely on the back foot." Joshua seemed to have more success. And it's very much of the theory that when you speak about those shots that he took, that would have deaded most people. And Usyk took a moment to readjust. Um, and maybe, and maybe in the, I think it was in the sixth round, he did like sort of get on his bike for much of that round, possibly it was that round. It was around that, that time of the fight. Um, Joshua seemed to, have, seemed to have more success tracking him down. And I think that's where this false narrative's come out about, oh, if he did that all the time, it would have been easy. Um, do you think that there's any uh, truth to the idea that Usyk was willing Joshua on 
causing forcing him to chase him as, as, as he got himself back together. Uh, and why do you think it was that he had more success in what we've all agreed was uh, a surprise to us on the front foot as he was? Usually we would expect, oh, he's going to be a pure boxer. He's going to move around. He's going to move backwards and, and out jab Joshua. And actually some people have noted that Joshua seemed to have more success when Usyk was going exclusively backwards. Well, the answer is very simple, and that's a ranger, taller ranger, more powerful fighters always have, should have more success pressing forward. It's uh, it's 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 even taught in Soviet boxing theory, <laughs> interestingly enough. And uh, Usyk the higher ground. Yeah, and Dusik should 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 be mindful of that. I assume he he knows that, and uh, uh, one of the things that he did well, he had the most success when he was sort of egging. Uh, Joshua on and then stepping hard forward and intercepting him mid uh, uh, Joshua's uh, step in and uh, exactly then he would angle off he wasn't just coming backwards and then when he uh, got peppered some of those body shots which was a nice adjustment uh, a, a nice adjustment on Joshua's uh, part but uh, he should have kind of like he should have started with that with body shots <laughs> you always want to start with body shots it's not just something that's just sort of like Pull out of your ass mid-fight, and then suddenly the fight is going to go your way. It's not going to happen at the elite level, at, at the very least. And yeah, um, about uh, Joshua's route rounds to victory, like early on, uh, I think I I recorded an alternate commentary for that fight, and uh, you, you can access it on uh, our Patreon, on the Fight Side Patreon. But early on, Early on, before the fight started, I said that uh, Joshua is going to look, should look for, should probably look for uppercuts to the body uh, from the start. And he did sort of like come to that idea, but it was kind of a little too little too late for him. And uh, Usyk just sort of kind of uh, navigated that uh, problem as well. Uh, But yeah, uh, where the fuck was I going with this? God damn. Uh, fuck. We were on, we were on the uh, Usyk's chin when I interrupted. Usyk's you chin, yeah. And you talked. We were talking about outboxing, Usyk boxing on the back foot, and whether Joshua was at his best when that happened. Yeah, That's where um, you took up the How narrative. much of it was a choice? Yeah, how much of it was a choice of Usyk to give up, give away a round, or was it a choice to? Lee Joshua on because what you found was there was a very brief period five six seven eight where they sort of uh each took turns to win a round mm-hmm. and after that it was just plain sailing one-way traffic and the reason I'm tying it in is because your point Iggy about Usyk just being a fucking iron man he's the kind of guy that goes you know what I can let him do a little bit I can let him perhaps, a bit of momentum yeah. I can let him that tire could himself out uh, I'd, I'd have to rewatch. Yeah, I'd have to rewatch the fight to know for sure. But um, I think the the impression I got watching was that uh, the rounds that he that Usyk did back off a bit is one where he took a shot early. And even though, like, as we said, he took them well, he was like, "Okay, I need to take some time to figure out what Joshua is doing mm-hmm. to see what he's throwing, and then I can get back at him." And then so he take up the rest of the round to to have a look at what. Joshua was throwing, and then the next round he'd have figured it out, and then he came back strong. So I think it wasn't so it wasn't necessarily Joshua forcing him back, but it was also it wasn't like a deliberate choice to pull Joshua onto things. I think he was taking the time to work out what was happening, and then okay, I'm not taking the risk. I'm gonna 
concede the round but not be in so much danger and then I can come back again and, and take away the weapon and whatever he was throwing at me. I mean, So uh, what you're saying is there's nuance to this. There's nuance. It's not just, oh, he could just come forward and throw punches like I've heard so much in the last two days. It's yeah. actually boxing is a nuanced sport. I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised. <laughs> it's, all, to, it's, to almost, it's almost like you have to think about what you're doing. <laughs> you have to yeah. win fights. Or think, about, or think about what you're watching. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Can, we, can we address the elephant in the room then? Because it's annoying me, this whole thing of... I mean, you guys have seen I've been for it, you've alluded to it, but I've had it still today, which is if Joshua just walked forward, he would have won that fight easy. It, it's really, it really hurts getting punched in the face. Um, yeah. And you don't want to just walk forward and get punched in the face if you're a fighter who's inherently anxious. I mean, and a, they, they also presume that Usyk won based purely on points and pitter-patter shots, and he didn't. He wobbled he Joshua up. multiple times. He, yeah. he, he nearly put him out. At several yeah. moments in the fight, when you so get it, it's that um, uh, rear hook that I talked about. Usyk would uh, slip to the outside uh, of uh, Joshua's lead shoulder, and then loop that rear hook in and spin Joshua's jaw around. When you get your jaw spun like that, do you think you're gonna want to go forward and take some? Yeah. Probably take more of that, especially when you're not as comfortable taking shots like this like these like joshua is do you think that i mean fucking come on people just some people just need to get punched once it's it's what i think it's it's my firmly held belief that it's beneficial for everyone on earth to get punched at least once to to at least understand what that feels like before they speak uh, about combat sports fuck's sake jesus <laughs> do you think there is anything that you can do joshua do you think there's anything that you can do to combat I don't think that I've been talking about this online a bit as well. I don't think there's nothing that he would, I don't expect to be picking him next fight, but there are things I think he's capable of doing that would make it harder for Usyk, but they like, he needs to be a little bit more aggressive, but it needs to be, he needs to be spoiling Usyk's movement. He needs to be doing things that well, slow the, Usyk coming. The most, the most important thing is that he has to turn with Usyk. Yeah. He doesn't, he, he shouldn't just it's follow him stiff. around. I think, I think he's too stiff to do yeah. so though. Yeah. yeah. No, the, the the thing the thing I mentioned, and it wouldn't be it's not as simple as um me as it's not as simple to do it as me saying it. It's a he needs. I think he needs to use his lead foot more to take up Usyk's space because Usyk could basically once once Joshua had taken a step, Usyk could basically do whatever he wants. Like Joshua's feet aren't mobile, um, so once he'd taken the first step, then Usyk knew okay, his foot's there. I can go wherever I want, and I feel like. Joshua would be capable of then taking another little step and then being his sort of Usyk has to sort of take himself out of shape then to get around in theory and obviously that's a bit risky because it gives Usyk more it gives Usyk more space to move into around the back but um, but if he could if he can push Usyk out of shape he's taking the sting off his shots even if he's in position you know in that kind of thing and also he needs to interrupt Usyk's movement more because um one thing that I noticed uh, quite interesting about Usyk's movement was he'd he's he's turning Joshua both ways. But when Usyk stepped around to hit around to Joshua's lead hand to his right to his own right, he came really tight. But when he came around the other way, he looped out really wide, and he wasn't really throwing. He wasn't really looking to attack 
Dan Joshua is obviously Dan Joshua. It's obviously sensible. So that's you know fairly basic thing to do. But um, I think Joshua, if Joshua started figured out a way to throw more hooks and intercepting shots as Usyk stepped around him, then Usyk would have to look for more routes on the other side, and that would give more Joshua more. It would give Joshua more opportunities to to use his not not his bulk because like we say he's not good at using his physical bulk, but just to use his size to disrupt. Yeah. He didn't get the lead hand going. The lead hand. Yeah. Could you guys recall any good moments with Joshua A jabbing, maybe one or two, left hook non-existent? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, like, I was... basically reduced him to a one-handed fighter. Yeah. 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 He took away the lead hand very early yeah. on with his feints yeah. and, he, and his uh, constant head movement. Like, none yeah. of the jabs that Joshua threw connected... None of them connected well at the bag, very least. Like a double end bag. You're second yeah. guessing. You can't. Yeah. It's moving. You can't. You can't land. But not when yeah. you're a big stiff fighter like Joshua. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I mean, that's the problem. Is Joshua has never been that good a jabber. He's got a decent jab, but it's fairly one pace. It's hard jab. Yeah, it's, it's a, a hard jab. It's a hurting jab, but it's not a nuanced jab. It's not yeah. a very exactly. educated jab. Yeah, and there were a lot. There's what I can't. I can't remember which round it was, but there's a GIF or GIF of it um, where Joshua sticks his jab out and kind of leaves it there. And then basically he can do absolutely nothing. And Usyk's basically doing whatever he wants. And Joshua can't see it because his jabbing hand is in between Usyk and himself. And yeah. that happened quite a lot, <clears throat> you know. And basically like, yeah, uh, we said in the beginning, Usyk, Usyk uh, took the initiative from Joshua at the start. He took it uh, from him with his... Uh, Foot positioning with his feints, with his hand trapping, and with his head movement—it was a combination of things. It was just textbook, uh, a masterclass in initiative, basically from the start and uh, up until the end of the fight. But yeah, and w- one thing is that when Joshua jabs, he kind of like Usyk del- very deliberately made himself uh, a smaller target and a very uncomfortable target too. And uh, most of those jabs were connected. If they connected, they glanced off the gloves most of the time. And Nosik was very mindful of making sure that uh, whenever uh, Joshua jabs, he either jabs to the side and kind of interrupts his own balance, just kind of like messes with his own balance by jabbing, or jabs downwards so he can't see the shots coming from from underneath. And uh, he maintained that positioning for, for the entirety of the fight. So that kind of composure is kind of, well, first of all, it's kind of insane, the sort of composure and discipline, uh, how well coached and how well trained a fighter can be, but also it just explains why Joshua hasn't been able to fire off anything uh, aside from his right hand, because he doesn't really have, didn't really have many setups. He doesn't really have any setups outside of that no. one, two, and perhaps the occasional uppercut. And the no. left hook was non-existence as you said I mean, it was well, you talk about the variance of the jab he had the up jab he had like you said uh, coming over the jab he pivot outside and then I say turn it to a hook he, he was able to come inside Joshua's jab and shoot the up jab he was able to feint the jab and then he kept shooting the left cross or left straight to the to the solar plexus oh yeah which I was a bit wary about oh if you keep doing that that's what Joshua's gonna drop the left hook in but it never came and like you say about the no nuance in Joshua's jab he always aims for the head doesn't aim for the shoulders, aim for the chest. You say that Usyk makes himself a smaller target. The body's always larger. Even if Usyk stood side on, he should have been, 
even just trying to hook his his lead his lead shoulder, uh, jabbing him in the chest, all these different things that he could have done. And Joshua basically just went, well, I'm not really, I can't land my jabs at the head, so I'm just not really going to throw it. Yeah. it. Doesn't mean that I'm, again. Want to stress? He's not shit. He's still really good. He's one of the top three or four best heavyweights in the world. He's just not. He's not at that level. And people just assume because they've been told by the matchroom media machine and Eddie Hearn, and they've been in this gang of Joshua fans online that have been smelling each other's farts. And then for the last couple of years, that, well, Joshua's meant to be the best fighter in the world. So he'll just figure it out later and he'll go back to being the best fighter in the world. And what we've discovered uh, in this fight in particular is that um, he was never the prince that was promised. Um, it was not, it was not, it was not the, uh, the muscular Adonis from uh, from North London. It was the uh, it was the Joker from Ukraine. That, that was that was the one, or possibly the crazy homophobic gypsy from Manchester. But more more likely than not, now I would say Usyk is is the is is the main man. Yeah, there's. Uh, I kept uh, when I watched the fight. I kept thinking about like if if Joshua were to throw a left hook to the body now. He would interrupt. He would, at the very least, interrupt uh, Usyk's lateral movement, but he, it never came. I thought about that. Uh, I thought that perhaps he, he kept throwing this very weird, like very ugly uppercut. Joshua did he, that came at, at like a forty-five degree angle and had a massive backswing. It's like he was trying to sort of like do the March Simpson uppercut, and uh, <laughs> ob- obviously yeah. it never connected. <laughs> Yeah, if he was if he was more agile, he could have done a Shoryoken from uh, from Street Fighter, but he's not mm-hmm. agile enough to actually do a do a 360. So um he just sort of does yeah, the Marge Simpson. Yeah, and uh if you we I said that Joshua should uh, keep turning with Usyk, uh, but when you if you go back and watch the fight, you see that Joshua's feet are constantly tangled up. He's constantly tangled up in, in his own feet. Whenever Usyk moves, whenever he tries to yeah. follow Usyk, his footwork just isn't there. Yeah. He's not very his guard is rigid. His guard was really rigid at times. He looked like yeah. a novice in there. Yeah, there's something I mentioned on Twitter uh, earlier, so, so some people might have seen this. Um, one of the differences between them is whenever jo- like Joshua's stance, he's always looking to have the exact same stance, the exact same frame coming from his feet, but his, he always wants to be the exact same distance apart, everything. And Usyk, every time he steps, if he takes a step left and then back right again. It, to theoretically the same position, his feet are slightly different. And that just means everything he's doing is slightly different. And Joshua didn't know how to handle that because he is always exactly the same. And, you know, to, to a certain level, that's a good habit to have. But once you get to these elites, you need to have these little little variances. Little yeah. wrinkles in your game. Little, yeah. There's a tiny yeah. little tools that sometimes you need to pull out <laughs> when a chisel won't do. It's like the pre- when you get to the elite level, the margins become thinner, the margins become smaller, and the tools that you need to navigate certain matches becomes uh, it's kind of like goes down to the very smallest yeah. tools. So, but uh, yeah, I think like- I think one of Joshua's flaws has always been, and I'm, this probably comes from his camp, but it might come from him, is he focuses so hard on clean technique, on clean mechanics, because he is very good at throwing. You know, it's it's all something you could put in a textbook that uh you know you compare him to Tyson Fury like Tyson Fury's jab is hilarious it's ridiculous and 
you know, everything, he, th yeah. everything yeah. he throws just looks so silly. But he's got so many different ways of doing everything that his opponents also just disguises. Don't... Yeah, and with Joshua, you just know what's coming at you. Like if you're if you're good, if you're a good enough fighter, you know what's coming at you, and you know how to how to react. And Joshua hasn't has proved not to have an awful lot of a. You know, he has he he can adjust the timing, he can adjust little bits of range, but he doesn't adjust. He doesn't adjust angles and he doesn't adjust like the patterns. So I think that was his big problem and probably what you guys, have, you guys have both raised interesting points that have literally made me think about fighters of Joshua's ilk. What you guys both said about, you know, nuance and, and in terms of uh, wanting to look a certain way and the way he fights. If you look at other fighters of his ilk, um, you know, what I would say, like you say, Lucas, textbook boxer puncher types, your Joe Lewis, your Ike Williams, your Alexis Arguello, um, Lennox Lewis to an extent as well. So we're not just, I just don't think we're, we're being prejudiced to larger bodies and going, oh, well, of course he can't do those things because he's six foot seven and, you know, and 17 stone. Lennox Lewis did them. Um, he doesn't have a process of framing of, of throwaway punches. He doesn't have a process of what all of those guys had also, which was a great inside game. So when it's not working at uh, a jabbing range, you can at least change it up. You can at least make it so you can, like Lewis was a brutal inside fighter. Same as Aguero, same as, sorry, Lennox Lewis and Joe Lewis were both brutal inside fighters. Basically the ability then, to leverage your physicality. He doesn't have that. Of course, but also your style. Mm -hmm. You know, he wants to be this pretty boxer puncher, textbook boxer puncher type. But if no one's scared of all your other tools, they'll just take that away. But just take that away. Thing is, with Usyk, he's not scared of any of it. Um, he was not scared to get down and dirty on the inside. He's not very great here. Um, I think he kind of lacks the. Uh, he, he has now uh, for clinch fighting and a want to fight on the inside, but he's not really. Uh, it might be his arm length. It could be a number of things, but he's not really great on it. He's great uh, just inside of mid range. But I wouldn't say he's a great inside fighter in the way that a great Mexican Julio Cesar Chavez or someone like that is. But he, he's willing. Um, Joshua just looks helpless yeah. um, in a way that all those guys I mentioned earlier did not. And they all they had issues, like you said, about footwork, um, Lukash, and they could be outmaneuvered and outboxed to an extent, uh, but not in the way that Joshua is, not in the way that you felt that they would never be able to gain a foothold into the fight again. And um, I'm not so sure. At, how old is he now? 31, maybe? Um, I'm not so sure how much you can, how much else he can learn um, to to go to the next level. There's nothing wrong with that. He's still really good. Um, he'll, do, he'll achieve more in, in in his life than probably all three of us uh, combined in terms of monetary success and and faith, uh, fame and 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 and, uh, and whatnot. But um, as an elite level heavyweight boxer, I think um, I think we've seen. Basically, all he's got to offer. Like, I think if he, move, I think I don't know if he will, he will move to change coach. I think he could do with changing coach, but that will it'll improve certain things. I don't think it would, it could improve certain things. I don't think he, yeah, at this age, I don't think he's capable of improving enough to beat Usyk. Really, like you know, he could always catch someone who, who punches that hard, even with Usyk's speed, could always potentially catch him and knock him out. But he isn't going to improve enough that any of us are going to be picking Joshua in a rematch, you know, even if he does change coach. There are little things he can do 
that another coach would be teaching him to vary his jab and you know things like that but um yeah. yeah i think it's too late to really build subtlety into his game from the ground up Joshua is, uh, I don't know, this may be some, I'm veering back into my adult armchair psychology habits, but it strikes me as, Joshua strikes me as a person who cares entirely too much about his public image. He cares entirely too much about how he looks there in the ring. He cares too much about how he comes across to people. He doesn't, when he, when you, what, what a fighter should actually care about is what he does. And then that image builds around the fighter after the things that he does first, and not his process is kind of backwards in 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 the respect that uh, Joshua tries to goes into the fight with an idea of how she, he should win. He visualizes himself winning, and the approach that he should take to win. I'm gonna look like a pretty boxer. I'm gonna throw straight punches, and I'm gonna like uh, one two my opponent into oblivion. Be uh, this, uh, be the great heavyweight everyone wants me to be when that's not necessarily the correct approach against uh, any given fight like it's not a fighter specific approach is what I'm uh, to, is what I'm saying you should think about the matchup you should think about what you should what tools you should bring you should have all you should have uh, at this level you should have a wide array of punches that you can do that you can throw the variations in punches the variations in foot positioning to, th- to throw those punches the variations to out position and out maneuver your opponent to corral them into a position where you can knock them out and not tr- like try to will this scenario into existence where you throw the perfect the textbook punch and so for some reason it connects it's as if as if the your opponent is a heavy back they're not going to stand there and let you do that kind of stuff. It's uh, and it doesn't matter if you look ugly, as long as you're winning. It's not the concern here, but it, it seems to me like Joshua is very concerned about looking um, impressive rather than actually doing impressive things. I mean, it's it's a very damning statement, but I think and I don't think it's purely his fault because he's so surrounded by media all the time and he's so media whipped by. And he sort of lives in fear of uh, the uh, the media around him, and it's uh, not really his fault. Being, uh, well, you know, knowing the the UK media and what sort of stuff it says on any, at any at any given moment about public figures, like uh, that that time when he appeared on that um, Black Lives Matter protest, uh, I think the media basically eviscerated him. wasn't uh, Was that the case? If, um, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, yes, mistaken. actually, what you get is um, he he says something like, you know, um, uh, I, I don't know if it was in support of sort of pan-Africanism, but he sort of said, look, we should be supporting local black businesses because people might not use them uh, as much as they would white businesses or their designers, many of them. Uh, and afterwards, he appeared on an advert, I think, for Deliveroo. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of people online saying, well, don't use them if they're not uh, black businesses, though, right, Anthony? Insinuating that he's some sort of black supremacist. Um, tying that in. So it's, it's, it's more like the, the average Joe on the street rather than, than the media. But, yeah, he gets hit for that stick all the time. Um, I think he's genuinely a, a decent guy. I think when you talk about perception, he's very media trained. Like, he come after the fight and said, yeah, I want the rematch. There's things I'd like to do, but the better man won. I don't think he believes that. I also think in terms of perception, like you say, Iggy, I think he is terrified of being sparked out. 
I think he considers that some sort of slight on his image. Um, like we say, after the Klitschko fight, he didn't want to get hit like that anymore. In the Ruiz fight, kind of was happy, seemed content to be stopped on his feet. And in this one, uh, this is kind of ties into the so-called tactics for Joshua going forward. Even if he did try to pressure, one big shot, and he's going to go, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Because the more I do that, there's more chance of me getting knocked out. And I think he was quite content to not get knocked out against Usyk, not take as many risks. And um, and Usyk didn't really let him off the hook. He just walked up to him and beat him up in the end. So, um, yeah, Joshua, I think he's a generally decent guy. I don't think he's a complete phony, but I do think he's calculated in the image he tries to give off. Um, it's again, this is what armchair psychology is, isn't it? But um, one thing's for sure, um, although there's obviously a very, very nuanced discussion that we won't have about Usyk and his beliefs, because it's a totally different discussion. Uh, I think Joshua is 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 less is is kind of easier to get a grasp on on how he feels than. Than Usyk because I feel like Usyk doesn't give too much away. He seems like this clown, but in the ring he's a very intense guy. Joshua he seems cool, calm, and collected, but in the ring we see a guy who is the opposite of that. Once it isn't going his own way, he's I mean, quite easy to fluster. It's kind of like, uh, not to shit on Joshua, and uh, we spent most of the podcast trying to protect uh, Joshua and his skill set and trying to defend him, trying to steal men uh, his side of things, but. When you contrast Usyk and when you with uh, Joshua, Joshua seems like a public figure first, and uh, a fighter second. With Usyk, it's the other way around. There, there is some clownery going around with his public image. He, he's a, he, he's a goofy, fun-loving guy, it seems. And uh, knowing that what he tends to say in Russian, I, I saw a bunch of his interviews. He's just kind of like a, a normal uh, type of salt of the earth type of person. But that's good to hear. Yeah, but he is he is an even Mosk super fan though, it turns out. Like, that's that's not, not that, good. He, is. he is. Should we make he a is. joke? Should we make a joke now, Iggy, or do you not want me to make that joke? Because uh, I didn't realise he was a big fan of yours, but you know. Oh, for fuck's sake. One of, one of your biggest pet peeves. I'm going away for a piss. Just <laughs> nah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, keep talking about, we'll keep talking about he's not here um, I knew he would like that one um, it's because his girlfriend just left him um, yeah so um, Grimes that is not his real girlfriend um, yeah I think he's, I've got, what do you think about him as, as, a, as, a, as a as a as a person Joshua what do you think I mean it's kind of hard to so, yeah you know, like you, both of you said he's so media trained it's uh I think in real life, he's probably like sometimes you see flashes in interviews of him. You know, he's got more 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 teeth than he shows in in public in real life. Agreed. But in real life and in the ring, isn't the same thing. And you know, they they feed into each other. But um, I'm not even sure if he cares. I mean, I'm not sure if he cares about being knocked out for the image because he's a you know. I don't I don't think it hurts him more. Being flat on his back than it does than it does what happened against um, Ruiz, where everyone decided he was a quitter. Well, not everyone, but quite a few people decided he quit for some reason. But um, but yeah, he doesn't like. I don't think he likes to be seen taking damage. Um, 
and I mean, he, he, I think he also just doesn't like taking damage. But uh, you know, I think the two things tie into each other. It's hard to say which is which. But, uh, Frank Bruno didn't react well to getting hit, but he stuck in there. He tried. He would try. He would. He would be rigid. He would freeze, but he would mm. try. Joshua seems happy to to skirt off. Iggy, yeah. now you're back. A quick question for you. You've spoken before about the difference in perception with uh, fighters speaking in English and not. And I believe the examples which I've heard you speak about before, uh, uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, so I'll say it in the in my bastardised, Romanized way, which is uh, Peter Yan and, of course, Gennady Golovkin. But you would say that Usyk is not, does not follow that trend of uh, fighters from similar regions that uh, come across totally different in their native tongue as they do in the English language. Oh, I mean, for sure. But uh, it's it's more like uh, the way he uh, carries himself uh, in his native language is kind of like an extended look at what he uh, what he does uh, uh, when he's uh, in the English speaking world, when he's under scrutiny from the English speaking world. It's uh, it's not like it's not like he's completely different. No fighter is com- like no fighter that you've described comes across as completely different from the image that he tries to portray overseas. It's more of a, like a, a more limited, more stereotyped look because they know what th- that it's going to sell. They, they know that uh, Eastern, the grim post-Soviet types sell very well in the West because there's a lot of fetishization going around, a lot of this kind of like stereotyping going around, like, oh, these people are built different. They're, they're so stoic. They're so grim. They grew up in a gulag and that's why they're so great. <laughs> that, that kind of shit, but... Usyk is uh, more like a Usyk is kind of boring, honestly, to describe because he's just kind of like a normal, fun-loving dude. <laughs> That's literally I think the perception it. of him in the West is that he's a nutter. He's got these crazy eyes. He seems like a funny guy, but he's badass. Like in terms of like he's a nut job. I think that's how people oh, perceive sake. him. Like, no, this guy's no. crazy. He he, he is. Like... He, he does play into it. He understands that he, sure. it's what makes him popular overseas. He dress dress up as the fucking Joker for fuck's sake. For, for the year for mm. the media thing but uh over here like is just, uh, over here is just uh, uh he, he's kind of witty he does have have his moments of uh joking around and uh, saying pithy lines here and there but overall just uh your regular run of the mill uh outgoing uh like extroverted type of person who is uh, the fun of who is have fun at parties and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah laugh at the party and that kind of stuff. But that's it. Not, not, nothing really. Well, he's a very devout Christian, I suppose, for one. But that's yeah, not very common. That's not very uncommon. So, not very remarkable, really. Yeah. Well, I'll say one thing. He's he might be run on a mill as a person, but um, uh, personality-wise, rather not as a person, personality-wise. But uh, he's not very run on a mill. In the ring, he is absolutely spectacular in a way that you rarely see. I think people don't really understand. I just want to sort of, sort of wrap up my thoughts, unless you've got anything to ask me, guys. But you don't see fighters like this regularly, even at the top, top level. I don't even get this feeling with Canelo. It was seen by mm. many as to be the best pound-for-pound pound fighter of his generation. Um, Canelo is, is superb. He's a, he's a fantastic fighter. But there's an aura around Usyk in terms of the way he operates that you see very, very rarely, um, and he just, he just, he just strikes me as, as a special, special talent. 
he's um, a, a consummate professional is what i would say yeah. in his approach yeah. because with even with elite talents there's a lot of um, idiosyncrasy with them to them there uh, there's many odious personalities in the fighting world there's been hundreds of them over the years but uh, a lot of them have their weird quirks that affect the way they fight Usyk doesn't have that he always fights according to how the coaches told him to fight he's supremely disciplined he's uh, he never uh, strays away too much from from the game plan he never does stupid things like he, he never does dumb shit like trying to I don't know trying to showboat meet mid combinations he just goes about his job really uh, yeah. and that's what's and he does it extremely well and that's it's it's actually more special than the listener may think in mm. uh, in the fight game it's uh, something that uh, me and the uh, you know our fellow fight writer taylor have talked about before is that um we both agree that um they both trained by papachenko we both agree that lomachenko has the better overall technical skill set than usik but like looking at this fight and others Usyk, like like you just said, Iggy, um, Usyk never flaps. He never deviates. He never he never steps off his game plan. Whereas, um, okay, he's had some. I think the um, the Lopez fight was harder than anything Usyk's had as a pro. But even in other fights, even against um, uh, oh, Linares. Linares, even against Linares, sometimes Lomachenko, you see him getting annoyed. You see him, he tries to do the perfect thing and it doesn't work, so he gets angry. And Usyk, just, it just doesn't happen. It's just, he's just... He's unflappable, really. Yeah. Yeah. In, in any situation. Word I was going to say, he's unflappable. He wouldn't have lost the first six rounds to a fighter like Lopez, regardless of weight. Mm-hmm. Usyk mm-hmm. would have taken the initiative. Lomachenko was flappable. He did think, well, I've got to give this guy... Just it's how I predicted Usyk would be in the Joshua fight. I thought it might be quite similar to that in terms of you feel the power early and go, you know what? I'll wait till this guy ties. Uh, but no, he didn't care. He just stepped to him, took the initiative early. And um, I, I know what you're going to say, Lukash, in terms of the conversations over Taylor, because I've been privy and part of some of them mm-hmm. um, in terms of Lomachenko having a more uh, sort of fleshed out skill set, shall we say. But for me, uh, this probably be the last thing I say in this. Um, it's Usyk all the way. I think he's. I think he's the better fighter. I think he's the more proven fighter now, and um, I think he's the best fighter in the world. Yeah. I mean, there's no argument. He's more proven now. Like there's, yeah, there's, uh, like even even with this the skill advantage that we all knew he had coming in, doing that to a guy that much bigger, it's yeah. You can't you can't argue with that. It's uh, it's special. yeah. Like paradoxically, even though Nosik is the hero of the occasion, he's it's kind of like it's funny because he, he his performance was so perfect and so textbook. Uh, it's kind of like you, you don't feel like you should really ex- try and explain what he did right because everything he did was right. You can't really pinpoint a single singular moment yeah. and say, "Oh, this is what was a cool adjustment. This is a cool thing he did. Everything he did was pitch perfect." It's you very rarely. Uh, very rarely you see performances like these. It's a, it was a special performance, and uh, even though I would very much like to just try and break down everything that Usyk did right piece by piece, it, it would take an entire day, and I'm not exaggerating here. 
everything he did was right. And yeah, better to give a flavor, better to give a general flavor of, of what he did. Yeah, it's than, kind of like better yeah. to sort of zoom out a little and explain the big yeah. picture rather than and, break uh, down the ingredients. Yeah, yeah, and the, the primary, the primary points, uh, as always, the things that he did right, the ring craft was always on point. He always knew where he's going to be in the ring relative to, to Joshua. He always knew where he needs to turn to corral Joshua in, into the positions that he wants him uh, to be in for him to fire off his offense. Um, he never let up on the initiative. The initiative was maintained throughout the fight, even when he wasn't firing punches. And that's important. That's a sign of a very elite fighter because he, even when he wasn't firing punches, the little things he did, the little uh, slips, the little feints, the little nods here and there, they all uh, basically uh, rendered Joshua passive because he didn't understand what Usyk wants him to do and what Usyk wants to do himself. He, he was Perfect. constantly wondering. And the defense, of course, always there, constant, constant preemptive head movement, constant uh, giving off different looks, not letting Joshua decide on, on the, not giving Joshua a static target, turning with Joshua, all that kind of stuff, just... Uh, a perfect performance, even if Dosik did uh, get did get um, uh, get tagged a little bit a couple of times to the body and to the head. But it was a really the... good fight. We haven't said that. We haven't said oh, that. Yeah. It was actually it might have been generally one sided, competitive overall one sided. But Joshua still had moments of success, and Dosik was able was to really navigate those moments of success. It was actually a fight. That's what's uh, so impressive about yeah. it. It's a good fight. I enjoyed yeah. it. I sort of said uh, on Twitter that it wasn't a masterpiece because he got tagged, and it's like, oh, don't you know, get me started. Yeah, it's that it's because he was fighting. You know, he was he was fighting. It was a more challenging fight than Gassiev. It wasn't. That doesn't necessarily mean Joshua's better than Gassiev. I think they're probably similar skill levels, but Gassiev is smaller than Usyk, and Joshua is bigger, and so that made it harder, and that makes the performance. Even though he took more damage, for me, it was a more impressive performance. It's just. Tells me that the, that person in question just doesn't understand fighting and pro- perhaps either never trained or never watched too many fights. Iggy, that person has 20,000 more followers than I do. It's not fair, really, is it? I mean, I, I'm not thinking that followers equal popularity, but I like to think people care more about my takes than those fucking shit ones. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like... I mean, fucking PewDiePie is still immensely popular. The fucking... There's probably like a, a six year old with 25 million subscribers that's to <laughs> true either of us. So, like, fucking, I, I don't even try, I don't even think about it. It's kind of like, it's kind of the case of uh, thinking that millions of flies cannot be mistaken. There's probably something to shit. There's, there's something, that's a good one. There. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, I'm fucking uh, just back to the fight. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like what makes a fight and the performance more special is if the fighter in question had, uh, like a hurdle to overcome, and Usyk had to overcome many, many different issues, and uh, Joshua actually presented an interesting threat to him. That's what fighting means. It's a fucking fight. There's two people trying to knock each other's heads off. And, Usyk, and Joshua tried his best to, to knock Usyk's head off. And Usyk just didn't let him. 
that's what's that's that's what makes it this performance so special. If you think that the performance has to be pitch perfect and the the uh, the hero of the day doesn't have to get tagged a lot, I think uh, I think you may find a lot of uh, cinema boring and uh, basically the history of human art and media, the, the entirety of it, the the whole fucking the, even back to the cave paintings where cavemen <laughs> are hunting fucking deer and uh, and uh, like woolly rhinos and shit you won't find them interesting because in those even in those fucking cave paintings there's people dying in there to those animals that, that's what fighting is that's that's what struggle is it's a, it's all about struggle and overcoming struggle with ingenuity and passion and toughness and grit and all that yeah. I think I think some people's uh, idea of a masterpiece has been uh, misadjusted because uh, by thinking of Roy Jones being James Tony, but it's like not you know not everything. or Floyd Mayweather's or Floyd Mayweather's sort of later well yeah. career. Yeah. The whole, you have to win twelve rounds and not take any punches for it to be a masterclass. <laughs> when um like like you guys like like you just said Iggy like the fact that he overcame a little bit of adversity and managed to keep it with just a little bit of adversity is what but people like for example you'll see people saying the same about uh rigondale versus donair oh, i can't yeah. be master pass because he got dropped and it's like he got dropped by the most lethal pound for pound puncher of the generation got up it, and beat it, the shit out of him yeah it's like you you took your opponent's best and gave it 10 times better and that just elevates you in my eyes mm. yeah it, that's what I look for. Uh, for. That, that's what I look for in a fighter and uh, in yeah. fights. Uh, fighters adjusting, overcoming, solving problems. Uh, we had two in the same night. It was a good Saturday. This past Saturday, the 25th uh, of September, uh, 2021, mm-hmm. was great across the board for seeing just that. Uh, oh, in Volkanovski Ortega. Boxing. Jesus yeah, Christ. Of course. So, <laughs> Fucking hell. So, you know, uh, as fight fans, all three of us... Um, uh, I would say, Lucas, you're probably a, a, a little less known for it than myself and Iggy are, but I would say all we, all three of us have been described as varying levels of cynical. Uh, it's uh, weekends like this that sort of reinvigorate uh, your love for combat sports. And uh, for me, if anyone's seen that I've been more active uh, on Twitter in the last couple of days, it's because I just this performance by Usyk just made me feel like a like a fan again. Um, Gave me something to be happy about, and uh, yeah, long may it continue. Yeah, just this entire weekend was a bit of a reminder why we still do all this, why we still watch this, and why we were drawn to the sport in the first place. Got me back on the analysis videos. Got me back on yeah. the on the pod. That's saying mm-hmm. something because uh, Kyle said to me multiple times before that he's done, that he doesn't give a yeah. shit. There's nothing to, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's nothing that can bring him back. Everything's shit. Yeah. Everything sucks. Yeah. yeah. It, it was really Why Lawrence Coley. Like, he was pretending it's too sick, but it was really Lawrence Coley. <laughs> it was Lawrence Coley fight. You're right. Yeah. It was the Lawrence Coley <laughs> fight. Right. And now, yeah. no, I'm joking. No, no, but no. And it's, it's great. It brought us all together for this, for this great chat. Yeah. And uh, like before we go, just brief thoughts on. Uh, what's next for Usyk? What do you think? Uh, well, I've got a the theory, guys. Can I jump in my theory? Everyone says the Joshua fight is done with. The Joshua Fury fight is done with. They go into the zone. Um, 
they're leaving Sky, Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua, that is. They've got a rematch clause of Usyk. Joe Joyce has got a mandatory coming up. Tyson Fury probably retain the WBC and ring titles against Wilder. They're still more likely to make any more money out of that. Do not be surprised if coming off a loss, Joshua's a little bit easier to do business with and Joshua fights Fury coming off a loss rather than rematches Usyk and scuppers any chance of that fight ever happening. I would not be surprised if both of them sidestep Usyk to fight for the rest of the baubles and Joshua versus Fury is next up, assuming Fury comes through Wilder unscathed. So for Usyk, I would suggest that his next fight might not be the Joshua rematch, but might be because he doesn't have a deal with Eddie Hearn anymore. Either Usyk, that was the last fight in his deal. It might well be that his next fight is a mandatory defence against Joe Joyce. Hmm. Uh, Lukash, what do you think about that theory? Bullshit or am I onto something? Uh, you might be onto something, but I think Joshua's He thinks probably, it's bullshit. He's being I polite. Think, yeah, I think, I think Joshua's got too much pride, whether it's... I think he wants to fight Usyk again, like he did with Ruiz, and I'm not sure his confidence has been dented enough. But he might want the money. Like He might decide, OK, I can fight Fury first. Usyk will always want to fight me because I'm, I've got the draw. So... I'm, I'm currently picturing Anthony Joshua in like a uh, in like a CEO's office and in like a big big office like a Disney and there's uh, an army of uh, marketing managers around him showing him graphs your your yeah your statistics with this demographic are falling down your statistics with that demographic are going to go up if you fight this guy if you <laughs> if you show up on this uh, on this interview on that youtube show on that tiktokers video with uh, 35 million subscribers who is 17 you know, you you show up there and your numbers are going to up go, go up with that demographic and they are going to buy your merch uh, like I, I just think about it and just uh it makes me think that you have in a roundabout way, perhaps Kyle could be right because the, the, that this tactic could make him more money. Yeah, but, I mean, I also think that at the end of the day, I don't think that even losing to Usyk twice will put the fight off forever. Like, I think it might delay; it will delay it, and it will be less interesting again when it happens. But um, the upcoming, the young upcoming fighters, I don't think any of them are good enough to pose a challenge to Fury so long as Fury is going. So he might as well take the best draw, which will still probably be Joshua. You know, it's not going to be F.A. Jagba or Hulkovic, and it probably won't be Dubois either. So even if he loses twice to twice to Usyk, then he'll fight someone else. He'll regain a bit of momentum, and then he'll still be the guy that will get the most people into fight Fury. So I think we'll see that fight happen eventually, whether it's next or in two or three years. Yeah, and honestly, it's a bit bit like Pacquiao Mayweather. It needed Pacquiao to lose and not have as much bargaining power for that fight to finally happen. And I think, I think if Joshua loses again to Usyk, I think people will be less interested. Honestly, do, but also think it might be easier to make. I'm also kind of not interested in seeing Fury versus Joshua. Really, kind of know how it's going to go. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to be competitive in. Any um, technical um, sense, but like the only fight I'm interested in seeing is Fury versus Usyk because I actually mm. think that Fury is going to give him a lot of lots of trouble in most areas of the fight. Listen, right. I don't want to go into this, but can I just ask a simple yes or no to you guys? Do you guys, either of you guys, I'll start with you, uh, Iggy. 
do you have a firm, just simple yes or no, do you have an idea, a firm idea about Usyk versus Fury would go? I have uh, an outline in my mind how it perhaps could go. So, yes. Basically. Okay, Lukash, do you? I, um, I have an idea. I think I know the pattern of the fight, but I have no idea who's going to win it. I have no firm, you know. Well, I would agree with that. I would agree with both of you in terms of I've got an idea, but no. And that's why it's compelling. Yeah. Joshua Fury, that's a straight up baron. That's just a, that's a mugging. <laughs> oh my days. Did you see Roy Jones Jr. after the fight saying, oh, we've got to, we, we've got to prevent uh, Fury ever fighting Usyk because it'd be really boring. <laughs> I love how Roy Jones is just brutal. And the, the, everyone's like, Roy, please stop talking. Because he's just like, hey, shit. Yeah. It's like shit. after the fights, Joshua like collapsed on his stool. He was like completely exhausted. And Roy Jones was like, What the fuck are you doing? Anthony Joshua, you fucking you fucking mug. Stand up. Yeah. <laughs> you look like yeah. shit. You've melted yeah. like a puddle of shit. Stand up for fuck's sake. Yeah. And he's like yelling into the mic. Roy, Roy was picking his before the fight as well. He was saying, like, you guys better not count him out. And Josh Taylor was the same. He was saying, like, basically they, they forced him to sort of be committed when he kind of said who's sick. And the Sky guys looked mortified that Josh Taylor dare have an opinion. That jo- <laughs> he's like, it's kind of like, he kind of looking at everyone going like, have you guys actually watched Usyk? You yeah. seem pretty, I mean, you, you seem to think it's going to be a walkover. They're like, what do you think there, Josh? He's like, well, I don't really know. They're like, what do you think, Josh? He's like, oh, I think Usyk probably do And it's like, everyone in Sky team's just like, fuck, why have we invited this guy on? It's fun, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's fun. Uh, fucking media. Great fight. Hey. I mean, every uh, just yeah. I, I guess I understand them because they have to sell the idea that the fight is going to be like uh, that. The outcome is not decided, and the fight is going to be very interesting and competitive and all that that kind of stuff. But come on, yeah. I mean, Fury's is going to. It's not competitive at all, uh, Fury Joshua. So yeah, Fury Usyk would be great. I mean, there's a chance that happens um, if Usyk signs with his best friend Vasily Lomachenko with Bob Arum because that's who Fury signed with. Um, but we all know that Bob Arum is also the great procrastinator when it comes up to setting up super fights for two two members He's, of his own stable. Which He's is very so bad odd. At his job. He's so bad at his job now. Very odd, really considering weird. that he's also ancient. The yeah. one would presume yeah, that you would like to make more money while you're still fucking yeah. alive. Or, or, or just or just put together good fights to watch. Like I'll, if I'm going to die soon, I'll, they give me the best fight I could possibly see before yeah. I die. But Bob, Bob Aram's like, what we'll do is we'll milk it for another ten years, so I never get to see this fight. It'd be like uh, you know, reading you know, I don't know, a, a great epic like a Song of Ice and Fire or or One Piece or or something like that, and being given the chance to see the ending and say, no, I'll chance it that I might die before I get to see the ending of this narrative I've been following for, for decades. Um, and Bob Aram is very much like that. He had Gamboa and Juan Manuel Lopez famously all those years ago and just never put the fight together. And if he gets Usyk, there's there's a massive chance that he'd have them both fighting their mandatories for three more years and they, they might slip up. But that's still probably the best chance we've got to see in that fight because yeah. I don't think Fury fancies it. But that's just me. And I think Fury, I think Fury will take it because he's been pretty open that he needs the biggest challenges to keep himself from going into a depressive spiral. Like that's his thing. So like I need to fight the fight opponents that might be able to beat me. Otherwise, I'm just going to get bored. And when I get bored, I get depressed. So even he's if been he's very dismissive, though, mm. he's been very dismissive of Usyk over the years. Mm. Very dismissive. Very odd. Also. If you, if you... That, that's yeah. odd of him. I don't understand why. 
just mm. uh, and his statements, his uh, kind of like chauvinistic statements about how the heavyweight champion should, should always be English and that kind of stuff or British or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for Western, mm. for the Western world, yeah, very bizarre. Like, 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 if the Soviet states were not limited to amateur boxing for fifty years, that we might we might have had a great uh, Soviet state champion before but because we never had that it's, yeah it should always be, it should always be an american or an english from now bear in mind that the english aren't exactly known for their uh their, their great heavyweight boxing champions it's been basically dominated by the american the americans for decades upon decades um with a couple of exceptions so i don't really know what fury's on about there um but yeah uh it's, it's a weird one but I'm sure we're I mean, Fury is Fury. Fury, Fury loves to say things. He just loves to talk. Loves the sound of him, himself talking. Guy, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, uh, what do you think? Have we pretty much exhausted the topic? Or is there something you would like to point out that you forgot? I think we've exhausted it, but it was pretty fun. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I kind of expected it to be a sort of like a meandering messy sort of discussion because it's more of a about our uh, impressions it's not really like a super uh, super organized analysis that uh, i sometimes what, do but what you're trying to say is that we are not me uh, we are not um super focused dudes who are going to go hone in is that what you're saying i would say that we at least broke it down into sections yeah Mm. This one, this one, this one. It got a bit shaggy dog at the end, but um, in terms of actually breaking down the fight, I think we covered everything. Yeah, um, it's, it's fine. Analyzing fights that haven't happened and analyzing fights that have. Happened, it's fine. It's just uh, three friends talk- talking stuff, talking about fights, and I think this one warranted it. I think uh, it was a pre- uh, breath of fresh air for me because uh, with the UFC schedule and with the schedule of fights, sometimes it can feel robotic. You're just kind of go, going through the motions. Uh, the, the, the fighter X brings a Y to the table and fighter Z will do that. Uh, this is how the fight will go. This is how the fight went. All right, moving on, next card. And this actually felt like uh, something that's, I would, that I have an actual impression about. Yeah. It's something that I actually... I mean, it's, it's, it was a big difference to me pre- when I was doing my previews of this fight. It was a fairly, there was a fairly obvious difference in the way I did it in the sense that I've done quite a few previews in the last few weeks on for the fight site. I've been reasonably good at keeping up the schedule of putting out previews. But almost Fairly every consistent, fight, yeah. If I uh, do almost, say, my, say so myself, compared to yeah. our previous output yeah. with regards to the boxing yeah. team. And the yeah, fight I decided, side. Like, like I said, once I moved here and then I fixed my internet, I decided I have to, I have to, I have to do something about this. And um, yeah, but uh, in every card, there were some really good cards there. There were some fights that I was really interested in talking about, but I had to look up almost at least one of the fighters in almost every matchup. And in this card, obviously I did watch tape on Fury and Joshua coming into it, but I already knew, you know, I already knew, knew what, what I thought was going to happen. And that's because I've been invested in both fighters and it's such a big fight. It's just, a, it's just an occasion, right? It's a, it doesn't come around long, uh, very often. Yeah. That's why we're all here. Yeah. yeah. Thanks uh, for having me. And yeah, looking forward to Another appearance in about perhaps two years. <laughs> well, yeah. with, with the way that boxing fights happen, with the way they are set up and how they so how everything works. Wild is going to knock out Tyson Fury, and then we have to talk about that. Oh fuck that! If that happens, I'll come back on next next couple of weeks. But I don't think that's going to happen. No. Yeah. Wait. How long until Fury Wilder actually? Two weeks. 
two weeks. Fuck's yeah. sake, Jesus. Huh. Forgot about Like, the, the thing with uh, the UFC is sometimes you don't know when the fight will happen because there's, there's just so many of them and they kind of get lost in the sauce. And with boxing, you kind of sort of uh, stop yourself. Con- I consciously try to stop myself from thinking about when the next boxing fight is going to be on because it takes so long for them to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they kind of catch me off guard by surprise. But yeah, either way, nah, this was a fun one. Thanks for joining me, fellas. Mm-hmm. Uh, always nice to have a chat. Perhaps if something interesting happens in two weeks, we can gather around once more. But for now, yeah, thanks for the, for the talk. Thanks for your input. And uh, see you next time. Looking forward to, to repeat appearances. I'm not going to plug everything you now. We've talked for, for, for quite a while now. If, if everyone, if uh, the listeners are still here, just subscribe to our fucking Patreon. Listen to the uh, also the commentary I've recorded. Listen to all this stuff. Three bucks follow per month. Twitter. Yeah, follow us on Twitter. D- d- follow d- me on Twitter if no one likes me. For, for, yeah, follow Kyle on Twitter if you want to. If you if you want a good laugh, if you want to see him just eviscerate a bunch of idiots. Uh, as always, always good fun. And uh, yeah, the links are going to be in the, the description and all that kind of shit. And yeah, go away. This is the end of the show. That's enough of that. Uh, fighting is fun sometimes. That's all. That, that's that. That's it. All right. Yeah. Bye.